and welcome to the Energetic Principles Podcast. I'm your host, Melissa LaFera, an astrologer, tarot consultant, and all-around creative from sunny San Diego, California. And this is the 57th episode of the podcast for the week of June 17th, 2019. So let's break it down a bit. Here's what to expect. The goal is to help guide and prepare you for the utmost awareness of the energy in the moment. For if you use the energy consciously, it has a better chance of working for you. I'll kick off the show with a weekly astro report, along with a few tarot polls and our animal ambassador of the week. Then a guest will join me in conversation around a chosen topic. And this week, I'm so happy to welcome back Brisbane Australian uh, professional astrologer and lecturer and teacher and writer, the fabulous Cassandra Tyndall. And she's going to join me in a discussion on cancer season 2019. So before we get started here, please remember, as always, take what resonates and leave the rest, because only you know you best. So thank you so much for joining me here today, and if you'd like to show appreciation for my work and get early access to the podcast for as little as $1 per month, you can do so on Patreon at patreon.com backslash energetic principle energetic principles. (laughs) Also, if you'd like to make a one-time donation, you can also do that via my tip jar uh, over at my website at energeticprinciples.com. So let's get down to this week's astro report. Our lunar lady, now in her full phase and at the start of her waning cycle, starts out the week in fiery Sagittarius, but quickly slips into the get-to-business Capricorn on Monday morning. She carries out her earthly duties for the first part of the week until she moves into the detached air of Aquarius Wednesday evening. She floats through this innovative and social realm for the rest of the work week until she dives into the sensitive and emotional waters of Pisces on Saturday, and where she will remain for the rest of the weekend. So just a quick heads up, all time approximations are for North America. So if you live in Europe, at about eight hours. And if you are in Australia or the East, at about 17 hours, or basically the following day. And keep in mind that timing isn't always precise, as astrological transits, otherwise known as the connections that planets make to one another, have varied emphasis as they apply and separate. So it's quite possible to feel the energy sooner or later than the exact moment of contact. All right, my friends. Well, we are kind of having part two of last week. So we're kicking off this week with that full moon in Sagittarius uh, that is kind of bookending these two weeks here. Um, But we have Saturn chiming into the Jupiter-Neptune square. We have Mercury meeting Mars in a conjunction in Cancer, and they're both going to confront underworld Pluto in Capricorn. We have Venus also having her own confrontation with Jupiter and Neptune, which is likely to be a nicer confrontation than our Mercury-Mars configuration. Um, And we also cannot forget that Neptune is stationing retrograde and the summer solstice and cancer season is upon us. So really, the planetary saga continues. So let us waste no time and dive right in. 
On Monday, we start out the week with the full moon in Sagittarius, which happens at like 1.30 something here in uh, on the Pacific coast in the morning. So uh, we will wake up with this influence having passed, uh, but she will move into Capricorn around mid-morning here on the Pacific coast. And along the way, she will uh, obviously oppose the sun while we sleep, but then try Uranus later in the evening. And so, of course, we have that full moon take place at 25 degrees and 53 seconds of Sagittarius. Uh, and I did talk about this on last week's show. Um, and so really, we had that Sagittarius influence that bloomed in with this full moon, you know, as our stories are shifting, we're looking at how, you know, what we believe about life. Um, and, you know, there are just great transitions taking place. But really, we are working off this full moon energy uh, through the Capricorn filter because the moon will now be in Capricorn. And of course, you can reference my full moon article over at energeticprinciples.com if you want to uh, recap that energy. But the bottom line for Monday is, is that the full moon apexes while we sleep and we carry out this full moon energy within the earth of Capricorn and we are ready to get down to business. And we may wake up with an agenda or an obligation that needs our focus and practical considerations really demand our attention at this time. Um, And really, Luna's trying to Uranus later in the evening is likely to flow in some fresh energy to help approach our work differently. Um, And perhaps shaking up some routines or structures in a way that can help, you know, kind of free up any static debris or static energy. So listen to your intuition and follow any sensory material that comes in. Because with earth signs, we probably feel it. It can be more gut or we'll get those tingles or the goosebumps in some way. Um, Because really those are little bolts that are of lightning that are kind of downloading to help awaken an area that may be sleeping within us. Now, on Tuesday, the moon is still in Capricorn, and she will make a conjunction to Saturn and a sextile to Neptune later in the evening. And this is uh, definitely important because we have Saturn making a sextile to Neptune in the skies this day. So with our Jupiter-Neptune square that I talked about last week and is really bookending you know, both parts of these weeks here, uh, there's a Saturn component that is tr- uh, sextiling into Neptune as well. And so Saturn, you know, Saturn, the fun things like structure, responsibility, commitment, uh, you know, taking authority for your life, looking at the long term, organizing things, consolidating things, um, you know, taking that mature role. And so sextiles always bring some sort of uh, a placement of opportunity or where we can open the door to something, but it takes our effort to do so. And so the door is essentially opening to Neptune. And Neptune is kind of the antithesis of Saturn in this respect that it has no boundaries. Saturn is all about the boundaries. Neptune, not so much. (laughs) But Neptune adds that spiritual inspiration and that kind of glamour and that, um, you know, vision that can come in, that creative energy. Um, But it also can bring in things that, uh, you know, dissolve uh, those, you know, Saturn elements um, or might confuse us in some way. And so, really, these two are playing together uh, with that Jupiter-Neptune square of of last week. And so, 
essentially, this is the second pass of this 2019 transit uh, that really just happens right after Jupiter and Neptune, uh, their square perfected. So this second pass is more potent for uh, internal changes as Saturn is now retrograde and Neptune is slowing down to station this week uh, to go retrograde as well. And that is adding extra emphasis on that Neptunian magic that is in the air. Um, And Neptune does, you know, charge our dreams up and the ideal visions that we hold for ourselves. Yet sometimes that floating fantasy can feel overwhelming or we have fear about how to make it happen or apathy because it just seems too hard. Yet now we are back again, uh, you know, being prompted with our ability to create concrete magic in our lives. For dreams never become a reality if we do not commit and work at them. With Saturn also conjunct the south node at this time, this second pass is even more potent uh, than the one back in January because the reality of the Saturn element is tied up in this moment of fate. And we have to plug up, you know, the holes that are causing the fear, the doubt, or the criticism so we can focus on the plan ahead and use our efforts creatively towards the long-term structures we are carrying forth. Uh, And we have to get real about our routines and our habits uh, and the way we organize our lives around those exact agendas. Because if those aren't promoting the next level of our growth, you know, that Jupiter component that is squaring in, there will need to be rearrangement and a dissolving of the previous plan in order to construct and work our magic around the new one. So spend time, you know, some time connecting to this at the top of the week for it will be fruitful energy to meditate on the next steps. Uh, And really, we are halfway through this Jupiter-Saturn-Neptune 2019 configuration. So expect to see complete resolution of this energy in September for the Jupiter component and then in November for the Saturn piece. Now, also this day, we have Mercury making a conjunction to Mars, and both of those planets are opposing Pluto. Now, this is kind of going over a two-day period where we're looking at um, Tuesday and Wednesday, respectively, but I'm putting these together because obviously we're going to feel this energy, you know, all at once. And so Mercury conjunct Mars, you know, Mercury brings in the information. It's the communication, the thoughts, the, you know, how our intellect is working, how we're perceiving things, how we're learning, uh, what news comes in. Um, And in a conjunction, you know, these energies fuse together and they're working as one and they're creating a, a new cycle of sorts. Um, and Mars, so, you know, the mind is essentially fusing with Mars, which is our energy, where we focus our action, how we assert ourselves, uh, and where we put our motivation and our drive. And really, so our mind and our energy is coming together, but then also opposing Pluto. Um, and, you know, any type of opposition is going to essentially uh, confront us with something, or there could be a tug of war where we go back and forth, or we need to make a call or a decision, or there could be relating dynamics in it too, because it's something that's outside of us. Um, and so, you know, th- this strong conjunction is meeting with this Plutonian aspect that brings up, you know, deep instinctual emotions, uh, transformative uh, material, you know, great change or situations that bring us to have to go through this uh, because essentially it's a purifying element. 
So, you know, and we do have to say that these two meet, you know, Mercury and Mars are meeting, yet uh, they are looking to the moon, essentially, because they're in Cancer. So, and the moon is in Capricorn. So we're really we're really getting this Cancer-Capricorn uh, kind of tug-of-war that's going on around this time. Uh, so we will also take note that Mercury, because of Mercury's upcoming retrograde cycle that will be here in a, you know, a handful of weeks, this is actually the first of three passes that Mercury is going to make with Mars. So just throw that in your pocket. All right. So (laughs) the meat of that. So, you know, the intent of the mind meets with that focused action of Mars and what is initiated is more than likely originating from emotional content as our feelings are guiding the way at this time. And how we feel is likely to be quite intense when we throw Pluto into the mix. And these transits are not for the faint of heart because they ask us to go to deep places that live within so we can help transform whatever energy is out of integrity so we may arrive at a purer state. And despite the heavy material that Pluto can bring to the forefront, it always presents us with an opportunity to heal and transmute the energy for greater balance. And sometimes those experiences can be painful and emotional, for the only way to interact with Pluto is to go through through, not around. So no use fighting here. And with both Mercury and Mars and watery cancer, it will be important to ground our energies so we can stay in equilibrium, cultivating moderation within our reactions to what we encounter uh, will really help to keep that drama or any potential insecurity at bay. Uh, Yet, luckily, that moon in Capricorn, as I said earlier, um, as this perfects, will reinforce that groundedness, and we can navigate our decisions from that down-to-earth place, which may allow us to responsibly cut away barriers that have been holding us back for some time, because I just talked about the Saturn-Neptune piece as well. So needless to say, the first half of this week is likely to be a doozy. So the bottom line for Tuesday, if that wasn't enough, (laughs) is that the Saturn-Neptune connection gets activated the same time that Mercury and Mars conjoin and oppose Pluto. And Tuesday night in particular, we are likely to be reflecting on these themes. And this may be a day with heavier considerations and where we are emotionally ready to pivot in earthly areas, such as our work, our finances, or any area that deals with the physical nature of reality. And we are likely to be serious-minded, So if depression creeps in, know this too will pass. Yet perhaps this dose of reality may be just what is needed to help lead our decisive processes and re-examine our commitments. Now, on Wednesday, the moon is still in Capricorn, but will move to Aquarius later in the evening, around 7 p.m. here on the Pacific coast. And along the way, she will oppose Mars, conjunct Pluto, and then oppose Mercury. Yet all of that happens really while we sleep. Um, So nothing is perfecting that day, but the bottom line for Wednesday is that the Mercury-Mars-Pluto configuration carries on and the moon in Capricorn continues to play out, you know, day three of this earthly (laughs) agenda. So, you know, the first three days are likely to feel that heaviness of Capricorn. Uh, And really, I lied. There is a configuration that is perfecting that day, and that is the the Mars and Pluto opposition. So, you know, I lump those two together. So really Tuesday and Wednesday are kind of acting as, as one there. Um, and so, you know, 
essentially we're continuing through the motions of whatever duties and tasks that are on our plate with that moon in Capricorn, and we're navigating the density that is likely surrounding us at this time. But later in the evening, the heaviness will lift as Luna moves into Aquarius, and we will be able to detach a bit from our situations to get a higher perspective on life. Now, on Thursday, the moon is in Aquarius, uh, and she will square Uranus first thing, and then trine Venus later in the evening. And so nothing is perfecting that day as well, but the bottom line for Thursday is that we start the day with the Uranian square, creating some restlessness and a desire for freedom. So if you wake up on the wrong side of the bed, which may be the right side of the bed, but just feel wrong in the moment, it will likely be some irritation that is seeking to disrupt and awaken us in some ways. Um, And, you know, an intellectual error will be about, uh, because this is Aquarius, and we may be assessing the possibilities that are before us, yet most interested in what has true promise in reality. And we may be floating in between two worlds and surveying the ground beneath. So open your mind to innovative solutions that can come in. And Luna's trying to Venus in the evening can create the perfect opportunity to unwind socially or to air out whatever might be on our mind with our friends or loved ones. Now, on Friday, the moon is still in Aquarius and will make an early morning sextile to Jupiter. But also of note, we have Neptune stationing uh, at 18 degrees and 43 minutes of Pisces that day. And we also have our Cancer solstice, the summer solstice here in North America. So let's us start with this Neptune component first. Um, because it's interesting that Neptune is stationing on the day that the you know that we have our solstice. So that should tell you know because solstices these are pivot points. These are yearly pivot points that hold a lot of energy. Um, so to have Neptune station on this day uh, is intriguing to say the least. So now we have to keep in mind that uh, all okay. Where do I start? <laughs> so. The Neptune vibe is high this week, um, as we really have been feeling this influence of this planet slowing in speed while Mars and Mercury trined into this point last week, and the Sun and Jupiter also squared the energy early on uh, last week as well. And then we have Venus following the coattails of uh, you know the Sun, who's coming in this weekend to square this energy too. So just an FYI for those having Neptune transits. So if you have any planets in the mutable signs of Gemini, Virgo, Sagittarius, and Pisces uh, between 16 and 19 degrees, I would say that you are likely to be feeling this influence greatly and probably more than most. And there will be action in your transit story going on. Uh, now, we may feel like this week has a bit of a Mercury retrograde action to it for, you know, the energy is going to be slower and we will need more rest and time to go within and meditate. And in fact, meditation may be the best thing you could do at this time because a lot of emotional content and spiritual impressions are likely to be rising up, kind of like a phoenix within that is calling us to a moment in time that is fateful for our own, our own personal renewal. And so fogginess, uncertainty, and confusion may overflow at this time, and finding that time to get to the stillness that is within may bring you just the clarity of vision you are seeking. You will just have to enter beyond the veil and be willing to open yourself up to mystery. 
And through this, a fresh emotional transition can begin to take place. And then we will have until late November to internally process whatever downloaded content is coming in at this time. Now, the Cancer Solstice, uh, and, you know, I want I want to say the summer solstice, but really it's only summer here in the Northern Hemisphere. So if you are in the Southern Hemisphere, welcome to winter. <laughs> and I'll have to ask Cassandra about that later in the program with her being from down under in Australia. Um, and so, yes, that solstice is upon us. So happy birthday to all you Cancers and Cancer Risings out there. And happy birthday to myself as well. I love being a crab, even with the moodiness and the frequent bouts of insecurities. I wouldn't change it for the world. Uh, and in the interest of saving time, because I have so much to say this week, we will keep all things cancer to our guest segment. For Cassandra and I, two astrology-loving crabs, we'll be talking all about it later in the program. So the bottom line for Friday is, is that we continue on in the air of Aquarius as we wake up under the benevolence of Jupiter and are emotionally ready to move life forward. And between Neptune stationing, the Cancer Solstice, and a void, of course, moon all day, we are shifting inside, yet carrying out the course of whatever, you know, we need to do throughout the day. So navigate whatever's on your plate and allow your mind to drift with the future possibilities that are at play. Now, on Saturday, the moon is now in Pisces, and she will trine the sun uh, and sextile Uranus. So, of course, we have that Venus, Neptune, and Jupiter energy that is awakening right now, but there are no aspects perfecting on Saturday. So the bottom line is, is that as we sink into the newness of the Cancer season, a Pisces moon trines into the sun, creating an emotional harmony that can lead to intuitive understandings. And we are likely to start the day off on the right foot, following whatever makes a strong impression on us. With Venus approaching her transits, this is likely to be a good day to bond with others and enjoy a slower pace of life. So getting out of our emotional comfort zones later on uh, in the day will, you know, help create opportunity for Luna to make a creative Uranian connection, uh, which may, you know, bring us unexpectedly good things. So Saturday seems quite nice to me. Now, on Sunday, the moon is still in Pisces, yet she will square Jupiter, sextile Saturn, square Venus, and then conjunct Neptune. But, of course, we have to take into consideration that Venus is squaring Neptune and opposing uh, Jupiter that day as well. And both of those planets are now retrograde. So... Let us keep, okay, so Venus, you know, Venus is the relationship element, how we relate to others, you know, that social grace, grace in general, <laughs> you know, how we open up to things, what we attract in, what we draw in, uh, and how we cultivate balance and harmony in our lives. And really, a square is going to bring some action events, uh, maybe some challenges, but it's just essentially activating uh, that Neptunian energy. Uh, and then that opposition to Jupiter, which, of course, Jupiter is going to bring in, uh, you know, the, the growth element and, and movement and expanding our world in some way. And, of course, with the opposition, we are looking, like I said earlier, at, you know, maybe making some decisions or maybe this is presented outside of us through a relationship or someone we know. Um, and so, really, the Venus uh, Venus, as part of this configuration, is kind of the last, is not kind of, she is the last in line uh, because she is basically following the coattails of Mars, Mercury, and the Sun, who have all made this same uh, configuration. 
And so now Venus comes in, which is nice because she's like the sweetest of the planets, I would say. And so I I feel there's a a sweetness here. Um, So really, let me start off by saying that we are dealing with two benefics here. We have Venus and Jupiter involved. And so I am subscribing to the idea that there is some lucky energy that brings about growth this weekend, which may be very welcomed after what may have been a trying week. And it's always the darkest before the dawn, they say. And I feel that Venus in the detached social air of Gemini will help bring lighter vibes and communications our way that can activate the positive side of the Neptunian energy that is now retrograde, but still strong because it's in its station period. And perhaps we receive a generous offer of just what our soul was looking for, or that a compassionate conversation with another facilitates good feelings and connectedness. And this is likely to be a dreamy weekend that at times may feel surreal or otherworldly, yet it is providing the exact conditions we need to attract faith and hope into our stories while opening us up to say yes to what's next for our spirit. And so the bottom line for Sunday is that the evening lights up the Venus action as the moon activates these configurations, adding more of the sensitive Pisces element to the mix. And we are flowing within our thoughts and emotions, and there may be a desire to withdraw or escape, to decompress and enjoy life. And with, you know, any water energy, there can be moodiness at play. Yet I think if we flow with compassion and forgiveness for ourselves and others, we will be in good shape. So really to wrap it all up, you know, we start the week on the other side of a growth-inducing full moon. And where there will be heaviness in the earlier half of this week, there are also beneficial elements that arrive later in the story. And so we are being prepped for the upcoming eclipse season. And this is just the beginning for the dynamic energy that still lies ahead. So now let's take a look at the cards because they always add a little something, something to what I'm talking about here. And so this week, uh, I drew the seven of cups as the focus again, (laughs) and the 10 of swords as the grounding. And so with the seven of cups as the focus, you know, it's so interesting to see that I pulled this card as the focus for two weeks in a row, especially as Neptune is stationing, you know, because it really makes a lot of sense. Um, Because I feel like this week is a continuation of last week's energy and really both are working in tandem. So once again, we are navigating the realm of fantasy and imagination and illusion and, uh, you know, uncertainty certainty or, you know, not being clear uh, and where actually emotional choices may loom before us and choosing the most viable and, and the wisest option could be a point of uncertainty or struggle at this time. Yet, with the Ten of Swords as the grounding, the mental component of this struggle is likely to be coming to an end as the worst or the most challenging part is now behind us. Yet it is crucial not to dwell on or become a martyr if things don't you know, work out quite how we imagined. Or it's possible that those were the blocking elements to our dreams and our fantasies in the first place. And now that we have worked through the darkness of the mind, we can now move on to the renewal that awaits with this card. So, you know, when we hit rock bottom, there is nowhere to go but up. And now it is time to ascend and carry out the promising options that are before us while putting to rest and making peace with the struggles of the past. Now, last but certainly not least, this show is brought to you by this week's animal ambassador, the lizard. 
how I love that the lizard shows up this week as it sends the message to embrace the dream time. So once again, Neptune stations, you know, this is going to be a dreamy week. And so the dream time, you know, this is a place where our dreams and our visions live. And really, the lizard wants us to create from this space, this ethereal and boundaryless realm that invites us, invites us to be guided into a place of deep knowing that is primal and instinctive. And so paying close attention to our dreams, both waking and asleep, will prove to be quite telling this week. And really, any visions that enter our heads are doing their best to get our attention and to infiltrate our awareness. And bearing witness to what comes in will be a beneficial guide to creating the road ahead. Some say we dream our reality, and this week, that statement will likely hold great truth. So follow what comes through the dream time and let spirit transform you in the process. Because they say, (laughs) you know, it's not, you don't find yourself, you create yourself. So keep that in mind this week. Now, if you would like to go deeper with how the energy of the week interacts with you personally, you can always sign up for my tarot subscription on Patreon. For just $6 a month, you can get a weekly spread that ties into these astrological energies where I make a little video uh, that has custom card placements and you get to, um, you know, draw the cards for yourself to see how this interacts with you. So it adds, you know, brings astrology and tarot together and it's just a fun way to uh, look at the week um, each week. So last week we worked on dreams of you. And this week we are working on empowering inner strength. So to find out more about uh, the tarot subscription, you can check out a freebie spread on Patreon at patreon.com backslash energetic principles. Okay, now let's meet our guest. All right. I am so happy to welcome back this week's special guest, Cassandra Tyndall. Thank you for joining me in person, nonetheless. I know. We're in person after trying to do podcasts in the past with dodgy Australian internet. Uh, Yeah, so we're on the same side of the ocean this time. I know. And it's a rarity because Cassandra's here because she spoke at Norwalk a little over. It's been a couple weeks now, right? (laughs) Yeah. Gee, maybe three weeks already pushing. Three weeks. Yeah, because I've been here for almost a month already. Yeah. Yeah. And well, we were just talking about how 2019 has like flown by like at hyper speed and we're not sure how why and how that's come to be but it just seems like we're halfway through the year and and here we are um but yes she is going to be speaking for our uh, san diego astrological society tonight on uh so it's too late if you're listening to this now but uh on the uh progressed venus in the chart right correct yeah and then a workshop on perfections yeah so tonight's about um not, well, it is about Venus primarily, but uh, whatever the ruler of your seventh house happens to be and how that can sort of trigger action in your life when it changes and moves around by progression. Mm. I nearly said perfection, <laughs> but tomorrow, <laughs> tomorrow evening's uh, doing a workshop on uh, perfection. So, yeah, really looking forward to delivering that yeah. and um, opening up the client vault and sharing some uh, real life experiences for people and how that works. Yeah. Well, I am interested uh, definitely because A, I have Venus as my seventh house ruler. So mm-hmm. that will be a little extra something. Uh, and I don't know if you saw our advertisement um, material for this. 
Venus, but the chart that is in it is actually my progress chart. <laughs> uh, so with the Venus and oh, Sun and the Jupiter yeah. at the top there. Oh, yeah, yeah. Because I was like, what should I use? And I looked at my progress chart and I was like, wow, okay, well, definitely need to be at this lecture because uh, <laughs> there's a lot going on here. So, hmm. yeah. I guess just a tidbit um, for people who won't be there and won't get to hear the, the topics. But what I've found with, uh, you know, working with, uh, looking at this more deeply is that it always, well, not always, but often uh, coincides with some really happy times for people, um, particularly with, with Venus as the uh, uh, primary player there. So it can be, you know, maybe stepping into happiness, happiness or stepping away from it because something is no longer happy. Happy, yes. yeah. So yeah. It's, uh, it's really interesting to uh, watch um, how she plays out in pro- Progressions. Yes, I mean, I progressions, perfections. I was, yeah, I was getting a bit tongue-tied there. I know. Yeah. All, all predictive techniques have this pro element to it. It's like, what is aggressions, factions? What? Yeah, so, yes. yeah, really looking forward to that. Um, I did my two lectures at NORWAC, which was uh, the Fedaria. So working with the Fedaria cycles, I did uh, one on Neptune. Mm-hmm. Then I've had a bit of a, you know, a holiday slash tour around and then winding up here in San Diego, which I love, by the way. It's beautiful. So um, I'm from Brisbane in Australia, which is, so I'm located kind of halfway between Brisbane and the Gold Coast. And so flying into San Diego on Wednesday, I was like, oh, this is just like the Gold Coast. Bigger, of course, yeah. bigger version of it. But yeah, it's very beautiful down here. I, I really like it. Yeah, well, I feel like it, there is. Well, we were talking before. There's a there's kind of a sister city element to just the the weather here, and you know the coast and the. Yeah, I mean, uh, from memory, I think your latitude north is about the same as our south. Okay. Um, but for some reason, like we're a lot more humid, so I could be quite wrong on that, but. <laughs> Anyway, it's, uh, yeah, very similar to home yeah. anyway. It was close enough to be welcoming. Well, it's closer sense. than Seattle, put <laughs> yeah, it that way. Definitely. Where we were uh, a few weeks back, so yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, so if you can tell or if you haven't listened to uh, her before here because she's been on the podcast, I want to say is this the third or fourth time? This is the third time, I think. I mean, usually I seem to get the Mercury retrograde spot. <laughs> <laughs> Which we will mention a little bit of that here today, yeah. uh, not totally in on total, but uh, mm. it still manages to slip in to our Gemini rising. It, it does, <laughs> and I guess too, like you know, uh, it's there's one sort. Of, I think Mercury be pushing that shadow degree by about now, so yeah. we're starting to feel a little bit of what's to come. So. Yeah, they do come around mighty fast, those uh, Mercury retrogrades, which is a good thing. I'm, I'm never afraid of them. I quite like them. <laughs> it helps me yeah. get things done, actually, if time feels like it moves a little bit slower. But I guess today it's more about the the solstice, right? Yes. Mm. So that's what we're going to be talking about is, is cancer season 2019. And it's perfect because actually both Cass and I are cancers. We so are. happy birthday yep. to us. Yes. Happy birthday to you too, Mel. <laughs> yes. And happy birthday to all you cancers out there. If you're a cancer rising, you know, this is a somewhat of a rejuvenation period where you kind of step back into yourself and you're, you know, you bask in the energy that is so familiar to one. Mm. <laughs> um, but we have an interesting interesting uh, cancer season before us, I think, as uh, we navigate what we were laughing about before with the meat grinder. <laughs> oh, yes. Our friend Austin's uh, phrase, which is a little famous now. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> and if you don't know what the meat grinder is, um, uh, 
no need to fret. It, it was a term that he put on basically kind of this summer season because we do have a pile up of transits that are, mm, how do I say this? <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, there's a lot of ways to describe this energy, but um, I guess to kind of nutshell it, it's, it's a, you know, it's intense and it's a bit emotional as well, but I don't think it's all bad. I think it's really, you know, Mars now in Cancer has been in Cancer for a bit of, about a month now. So it's really helping you, you know, hone in what you value, what, what where your focus is and sort of realising what's not working with those Capricorn planets on the other side mm. there with the South Node, Saturn and Pluto. So there is this kind of, you know, when it comes to the nodal journey this year, all the emphasis has been on Capricorn, you know, the whole Marie condoing thing in January. And then we've had this kind of like meantime space since then. Um, once we sort of cleaned out our houses or cleaned out stuff, and then it's like, okay, so now what? And then now the cancer pileup's happening and it's a little, perhaps a little bit more emotional, a little bit more self-protected. And it's like, okay, it's like that kind of gateway feeling. Well, why why did we clean house for? Why did we do away with things for? And it's perhaps working through the more deeper or emotional components of the physical cleanse we might have done before. So mm. I'm finding that people are processing kind of the emotional things yeah. a little bit more at the moment. Um, Mars and Cancer, it you know, can be a little bit grittier in terms of that feeling things a little bit more or being a little bit more sensitive. Um, but it's it's nice to sort of have that counterbalance because, you know, the North Node in Cancer is one of the more nourishing and supportive placements this year, but we've just kind of been in this grindy, relentless Capricorn space. So at least for this period of time, we can kind of go, okay, we're working really hard now, it sucks or, you know, <laughs> things, are, things are a little bit more uh, definite or confronting or, or that feeling of perhaps um, endings, but then that push through to something that is a little bit more nurturing or nourishing. And I find when I'm working with people and have been working with people, you know, this year it's kind of like when we clear space, whether it's physical or emotional, we want to go into the now what's next or mm-hmm. now what. And this year has kind of almost been like that uh, that marking time or that holding pattern in a little little while. And I think now we're about to push into cancer season, then the eclipses start. Now we're going to really start to see, you know, where that compass has recalibrated or redirecting us to that began at the start of the year um, and, okay, this is where we're moving forward to. This is the reason why we've been doing what we've been doing and um, and that kind of, you know, push forward uh, with the North Node and uh, Mars you know, now Mercury too, uh, really kind of energising and activating the the part of the sky that's been a little bit ignored because it's all been about like, Capricorn. Yes. Yeah, so, yes. yeah, so it's like at least we can say um, uh, the sun's on us now. <laughs> 
I know. Being Kansas, right? It's I know. <laughs> we're, we're getting our pile up on, on this side here now, and we're we're definitely feeling it. But I like how you use the term cleaning house, and especially with the idea of the holding pattern, because I think that this year in particular, um, especially as we are getting to this Saturn-Pluto conjunction and all these major conjunctions that are going to happen in 2020, and this year we're basically holding space within that Jupiter square Neptune mm-hmm. realm. And so we are growing. We are cleaning the house. We are yeah. nurturing what's next. But there's also this uh, vague period of maybe uncertainty. Uh, we feel it coming, but we don't know what it looks like. And, you know, and yeah, so we have to kind of navigate that. Um, we have to navigate that. And that can be difficult at times when we are working in an emotional space. Yeah, that's right. I mean, we're looking at the element of water, which is the most changeable of all of our elements. And then we've kind of got the you know, the coolness and the wetness and that desire to connect. And, you know, my time in the US, you know, I I could have gone and seen all the sites and done all the touristy things. But, you know, for me personally, it wasn't about that. It was really about connection and establishing like emotional bonds and friendships with people and just spending that time. And so I think people are feeling perhaps a little bit more um, wanting that kind of nourishment and feeling that connection, which is what water ultimately brings. Mm-hmm. Whereas with the uh, the Capricorn stuff, Capricorn, uh, Saturn, it's all kind of cold and dry and separative and harsh. Yes. And it's like, okay, now we just kind of want that, you know, at the risk of sounding cliche, but maybe that more like cuddly cancer and energy or that feeling... Um, supported or connected or nurtured in some way. And so, um, yeah, with the the energies coming up, um, it is a little bit more of a feeling that we can um, maybe, you know, give ourselves a little bit of a break. I mean, Mm. this has been a little bit of an, it's fast, as we've already said, but been a very intense year as well. So, yeah, I'm personally, not only just because I'm a cancer, but I'm just looking forward to that, um, it's all been about that south node, that emptying, that cleansing, that purging and purifying. And then there's the empty space. And now we can perhaps start to bring in a little bit of what we want, you know, Mars about, you know, desires and wants and choices and Mercury, maybe giving some voice to that, yeah. you know, talking about our emotions or bringing those things out a little bit. And the north node, you know, being a little bit more uh, indicative of, you know, um, true north in a sense where, you know, what was the purpose of all that cleansing or all that letting go and moving on to something a little bit like the moreness or the hunger of things. So, mm. yeah, so many things, <laughs> so many things with well, the, with this, yeah. So. And so, no, I like that uh, bringing up the idea of kind of going more towards the emotion. I mean, speaking as a Capricorn moon, I know how easy it is to ignore mm-hmm. emotion, you know, yeah. essentially. Um, yeah. But really it is one of our strongest, if not the strongest, especially for people who are really water dominant, of your your guiding light and like that truth north that you're talking about. And I feel a lot of times, and especially when we have a pile up of action in Capricorn, mm, it can yeah. actually be really easy to ignore how we're feeling or to go through the motions or stick with the routine rather than, or if you stick with the obligation and you're like, I've committed to this, you know, all that. Um, but what is the heart saying? Mm. You know, what are your feelings telling you every day? You come home from work and you break down and cry. You have to listen to yeah, that, you yeah. know? And so I think that our emotions at 
times um, have been a little rough, maybe, especially as we're going into cancer season, because uh, part of the meat grinder, I think, is a lot of the aspects that are going on right now that are leading us into cancer season. So we've already had like this cancer flavor for a good amount of time. Mm. I mean, Mars moved in there on May 15th. So uh, basically, we've had a little bit of this precursor of type of energy. Um, but I think it is getting us closer to that emotional space and what the heart is really calling yeah. for. And uh, whether or not we're listening to that is is kind of the question. That's right. And I think Mercury in Cancer now giving voice to that. Mm. You know, what are my feelings? And Cancer is classed as a mute sign. So, you know, try talking underwater. Literally, <laughs> right. right? It's not, not easy. <laughs> and so sometimes like, you know, actually giving voice to our feelings or it's really hard. And so, um, you know, I think, you know, the energy of this week, the solstice turning that energetic uh, solar light around, it's like, okay, well, um, I don't know, for some reason, just got this image of that Britney and Will I Am song, you know, all all eyes on us. It's like, Mm -hmm. you know, all eyes on the, um, on the, the emotions and the feelings. And even if it does defy logic a little bit, there is a sense of this doesn't feel right. It might kind of defy, you know, what is practical or stable Mm. or what have you, but this feels right. I need to move into that and and sort of trusting that, you know, I think cancer out of, you know, all of the signs is one of the ones that probably has the most finely tuned spidey senses. So it's like, well, if they're kind of peeing, you know, over this, you know, course of time, it's, you know, listen to that and, and follow that. Um, it reminds me of something that my, uh, actually my nana, who had a cancer moon, uh, would say, you know, always trust your gut because mm. the mind can play tricks on you. So I think with the cancer season, um, it's very much about, you know, uh, that awareness of that, um, the gut. And I think um, even in maybe Japanese philosophy, um, like we see the heart or the soul kind of like around the, you know, the heart space or the solar plexus space. But in Japanese tradition, it's actually in the stomach. Yes. Yeah. So that is, you know, their guide uh, or their kind of intuitive space. And so I think there's definitely something in that when there's so much focus on cancer right now. Yeah, because we do. I saw a whole thing on that once. Of course, I can't remember it now, but there is the thing of the gut mind. Um, mm. And well, maybe we'll take the mind part out of it. But it yeah. still is essentially, yeah, there is a space. And I mean, I'm sure a lot of us has felt it time to time, like when you get maybe a sinking pit in your stomach, mm-hmm. when you know something's off. Um, and I mean, I've had that so many times in my life. And, and it took me a long time to realize that, oh, you better listen to that yeah. because you can't ignore what that is coming through because that is telling you something. Mm. Um, and so you're setting, mm. like I would set myself up for disaster by yeah. not listening to yeah. this repeated mm. message. Mm. Um, so yes. You know, that. really loving, I guess, you know, one of the other things we wanted to talk about today was kind of like, you know, me being from the Southern Hemisphere. Yes. <laughs> and, uh, you know, here I am up in the north and just some of the, um, you know, uh, Australia, for example, is a more of a Capricorn country mm-hmm. um, and uh, the chart for the US is cancer. Yeah. So, um, and what I've really felt here. Um, of course, you know, it's probably a little bit indicative of the company I've kept and the circles I've been in, but I'm really feeling that, like, at least in the US, there's this real push, and we've got it in Australia too, but a push away from capitalist thinking or that Capricorn thinking or that just pure materialistic or, 
you know, being in the the top 1% way of thinking. And it's more about, okay, well, you know, let's not use uh, so much plastic and let's not just use the disposable straws. I'm seeing a lot of like uh, stainless steel straws or metal straws around in that. So there is this sort of starting to be aware of we've got to take care of our environment. We've got to nurture the space that we're in and we just can't keep using and abusing um, and not only just the planet and our land and our space, but also ourselves. And I think that's kind of like um, allowing that time and space to, to nurture and to protect ourselves and our clan and the people that are really important. And um, a lot of the conversations I've been having with, you know, friends and other astrologers around over the last bit is, you know, just this power of um, connecting, connecting in person. Um, I mean, the online stuff's great. It opens a lot of doors. But once you've got that in-person connection, it's just a whole new level. You know, just that sort of kitchen table wisdom um, of, you know, a cup of tea or a cocktail or whatever it is <laughs> and getting around and just talking and communicating and feeling. And, you know, I think back to when I was a kid, you know, cancer is very much about the past. And I don't know, like I think about, I mean, it's, you know, time does feel different with your child. I don't know about you, Mel, but I seem to remember my parents' had more time. We would have Mm. visitors that would come over and mum would be like, no, don't eat that. That's for when visitors come over. And now I feel like, you know, me as an adult, I don't really get visitors because everyone's too busy. And so like now it's, you know, it's the summer, you know, moving into summer here in America, cancer season, you know, those summer barbecues and all those beautiful things. It's a beautiful time to make time to nurture, protect and hold close who and what you, you, whatever feels dear. Yeah. Just to step away from the grind or the work and the yucky stuff. So I think the solstice is a really lovely turnaround point to to recognise and, and bring that in with that shift of the solar energy as well. Yeah, and I, yes, so much past living when, <laughs> when we're talking about cancer. Like I, sometimes I'll go back and I'll have little moments to myself where I'll shed a tear because I remember the past and, and it touches me deeply because and yeah. it can be the littlest of things that I just really hold dear to myself in that experience. Yeah. And I mean, I think a lot of why we see the difference of, um, you know, people coming to go visit you at your house and these mm-hmm. uh, one-on-one connections and these heart-based, you know, like yeah. let's communicate and, and, you know, get to know each other and merge essentially in in this more intimate uh, space. You know, as we got busier with uh, more work being piled on, more technology, more separative, you know, because technology, it it unites and it separates at the same time. Yeah, yeah. Um, And we're seeing that, especially in the younger population, of where, you know, there's an increased amount of depression, there's increased amount of, like, health issues, because— we need as people to connect with Correct. one another. Yeah. Like that is like any, you know, uh, you know, little gor- gorilla clan. It's the same thing. We are these same primate type of um, social, yeah. we're social animals. Mm. And so we need that. And a lot of times that um, uh, electronic component or, or looking at casts across the pond in, uh, you know, via zoom <laughs> is just not the same as sitting and, uh, you know, feeling another person mm. in person. Mm. And, you know, that, is a, I got the chills as I was saying that. Um, and that could be a water thing too, because yeah. obviously us water people, you know, crave and need that a little bit more, yeah. but we all have water somewhere. That's right. And, you don't have to yeah. be a cancer. Yeah. You know, we all have cancer somewhere in our charts as well as Scorpio and Pisces, the other water signs. So, 
yeah, I think it's just a beautiful time to take time and, you know, if you just want to have a rest or go to the beach or just do something that makes you feel better, yes. um, it's definitely about doing that. And we were just talking when we had lunch and a coffee just before and you asked me, you know, how's it like running your business and all your, you know, the things that you do as an astrologer while traveling. And it's like, you know, I actually gave myself permission to step away from it a little bit. I'm sure social media will survive a little while without <laughs> me, you know, like not everyone see, needs to see an Instagram post from me every day. So, you know, and that's um, that's actually been quite, quite nice, yes. you know, not to not think about that. And, you know, and you have, you know, your system here is a bit different. You have the whole three months off for summer, you know, school's off and all of that jazz. So you really do kind of your kind of social structures or your school structures and things actually kind of um, like worked around the, the summer solstice and that summertime. So you can connect with family, which is cancer. The family um, vacation. Exactly. That's the summer we- <laughs> holiday. Like, yeah. yeah. So like, it's almost like your uh, social systems are kind of like uh, structured around that that theme and that essence. Well, so, and really, it's probably structured around the 4th of July, right? Smack dab in the middle. And that as well, <laughs> which is coming up. So, yeah, all of that stuff. Yes. So it's a beautiful time just to, yeah, connect. But in Australia, like, it's winter. So we sort of, <laughs> <laughs> although um, actually even this uh, day in San Diego is a bit like winter for me, but <laughs> it doesn't, well, where I am, at least it doesn't get too cold, but. Um, you know, I guess we've got the other element of the the cancer stuff where we will, you know, have a cup of tea and a blankie. You know, we kind of do the more nurturing stuff in the more cold fashion. So mm. I think that was one of the questions you were yeah. curious about, the, well, the, the upside-down component. <laughs> well, it's uh, interesting because, you know, we've just coming out, well, we're leading up to the full moon as we record this, but since I've been here, I've kind of, you know, almost been here for a full lunar cycle. So when you're looking up at the sky and you see, say, crescent moon, first quarter moon, what have you, to me that looks like third quarter moon, waning crescent moon, like the moon cycles actually are visible in reverse. Mm -hmm. And so um, when I told a few, you know, of my astrologer friends that, they're like, what, I can't believe it. So, you know, there are some, you know, when it comes to the zodiac and and the... um, the way we interpret signs and the way we interpret seasons, we it all comes from the northern hip, northern yes. hemisphere perspective. We don't, nothing changes. Um, our viewpoint of the sky sometimes looks a little bit different, like the moon, for example, and we see things from a different vantage point, but it has the same symbolism, it has the same meaning. Um, what I do notice here, because I've this is the longest I've spent in the northern hemisphere, so one thing that's kind of felt really apparent to me is that we do have, or here, you do have more, um, I feel the seasonal shifts more. Mm. Um, when I'm in Australia, like our climate is just generally more hotter. Um, so I've really felt that kind of uh, going into, uh, we had the sun in um, Gemini and then going through the lunar cycle and seeing all that um, the flowers really come to life more and more and more. So I spent a couple of days in Portland and uh, just sort of seeing like just the the roses and everything just sort of coming to life. And in the Pacific Northwest, it's like spring. So there are flowers 
everywhere. Mm-hmm. Um, and you just really feel that like blossoming of nature and the little birds here in the window that have been treating us since we've been chatting. <laughs> so, you know, just those little kind of signs and seasons of spring and um, and just, of course, the variance of temperature as well. It can, yeah. It's, yeah. So whereas where I'm from, it's just kind of like hot all the time. Yeah. <laughs> we don't kind of roll with the seasons quite as much. Yeah. Yeah. And San Diego can be a bit like that as well. But, mm. there, I mean, it has its moments. I'm originally from Florida, so that's very much like the, mm. what you're describing. Yeah. yeah, we it's all the same. It's like <laughs> maybe in the summer it's 100 and in the winter it's maybe 85. But uh, it's like that same that same sort of heat. But it just fascinates me to think about that because, you know, we're so used to seeing the sky the way we do. I'm thinking cancer season is I'm a summer baby, mm-hmm. but I'm looking at another cancer in front of me who is essentially a winter baby. Correct. Yeah, but even as a kid, I used to sort of think to myself, like, I'm in the wrong place. Like, I had <laughs> no idea. And I remember my grandfather trying to explain to me um, about the shortest day of the year and the longest day of the year. So he was like, well, aren't you lucky you weren't born on the shortest day of the year? Like just sort of, you know, sort of yeah. teasing me because then my birthday would be short. And I never really kind of got that because June 21 and December 21 are not really that different for us. However, when I was up in Seattle, being so much further north on the latitude, I was thinking, oh, it's probably about 5 o'clock in the afternoon. Oh, no. It's 9.30. It's like, yeah. <laughs> So that was kind of uh, interesting and, uh, yeah, just sort of being in a different position of the world and the position of the sun and, you know, the timing of the sunsets and all of that sort of stuff. So it's really been uh, interesting and, you know, something I will go home and process and, and think about more because I've personally felt a little bit more in tune with the way that the the planets have moved since being here. So post Norwalk. We moved into the uh, balsamic moon in Taurus Mm -hmm. and I was staying um, with some friends in southern Oregon and um, we just lounged around, you know, we were kind of lazy. Oh, yeah. Yeah, we just sort of ate, drank and talked. It was great. It was perfect. And as soon as that Gemini moon um, happened, I was like one of those happy plants, you know, that's kind of drooping, the peace lilies. And then as soon as you like water them, they spring right up. And I was like, okay, see you later, guys. I'm ready to go on the next part of my adventure, which kind of what happened. And I just don't recall feeling that, I mean, of course, a lunation, you know, know, the moon going through the 12th and into the 1st is definitely going to feel that way anyway. But it felt just a little bit more intense for me here, Mm. Um, just sort of being, I guess, in the northern region where our astrology originated from um, and just having a little bit more of seeing it from just a different vantage point. So, uh, it'd be interesting to, you know, have some Americans down in Australia and see how they experience the transits in the sky and if they kind of notice any of their own personal uh, alignment or in tune tunement with uh, how the the planets move while they're while they're visiting. Yeah, yeah, because mm. it's it's fascinating to me. And I mean, there's also another component too, because there is that within the two different hemispheres, as we're talking about some of the differences there, especially in the, in the night, uh, the sunset, because even, you know, Seattle, the sunset is like an hour and a half, two hours later than here in San Diego. Um, But there is also the component of uh, something that is known as, you know, astral locality. uh, And where, you know, you're, if you don't know this already, you know, your chart actually changes depending on where you go in the 
the world. Um, and so you will have different flavors in different places based on kind of a, a turning of your chart in, in mm. a particular way. Mm. Um, and so your, tur- your chart turned rather nice over into uh, it has. this coast. Yeah, I mean, it's her- the west coast of US and Canada is, you know, very fortunate for me. So um, it has felt like that, that's for sure. I mean, apart from my international flights, I had not really done any type of logistics or travel arrangements and somehow I've managed to fill in a month and um, done it just it's just been an amazing trip and um, I didn't want to plan I didn't want to um, you know I wanted to be open to opportunity and events as they unfolded yeah. and so that's worked out really um, perfectly so yeah definitely interesting to experience your chart from a totally different vantage point. And also watch the sky from a total different vantage point. So uh, one night there I was in Olympia in Washington and, um, you know, sort of like looking at the sky and, um, oh, you know, Venus is here. And then I was up at Seattle and on my last night up in the Pacific Northwest and we watched Jupiter rise up over the um, eastern horizon and I was just sort of like, uh, it's just this whole reorientation, and it's uh, it's really interesting to to witness. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like it's literally being under a whole new sky. In some respects, it is. Yeah, and we can see different stars, different constellations. You know, haven't seen the Southern Cross. You know, and that's always kind of like my, you know, my nighttime calibration is yeah. just to be able to see that. And so now, like, I'm looking at different things and. Yeah, I can just, you know, put myself in the position of what it must have been like to not be able to whip out your mobile phone and <laughs> and plug in your GPS and work out where you are. You needed, you know, more uh, primal tools. And so, yeah, it's a totally different theatre up there, which is really cool, actually. Oh, I yeah. like that. A different theatre. It yeah. is. It's a different yeah. cast of characters that, and yes. doing different things, so, you know, in different <laughs> totally, places. Totally, totally. But, yeah, no, it's, um, it's, it's cool. I mean, it's beautiful, yeah. So now let me ask you this, being a, because Cassandra's a cancer mommy. She's got a sweet little boy. Now, so, I mean, has the home, has, because cancer can be known for getting homesick. Have you felt that that any bit on this trip? I guess, you know, on the cancer theme, my son is a Cancerian too. Mm. Um, Look. (laughs) Her face. (laughs) Uh, I don't know. How do I say this? I mean. I kind of um, personally, like, I have to just kind of almost forget that I have a, a son, <laughs> as horrible as that sounds, only because it's just too emotional. Chanel, I get yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. So when people ask me how he is, it's like, yeah, let's change the subject because, yeah, yeah like, he's only, well, he'll be five next month. And so it's a long time to be away from him. Um, but, yeah, it's uh, it's always exciting, that reunion and, and everything as well. So do I get homesick? Um, no, not really because mm. I love being here and I've been so busy and I've had so many amazing experiences and people around me. So that's not been a problem. But, um, yeah, I don't – I think I actually, de- you know um, – defy those traditional Cancerian home body archetypes. I mean, I love my home. I love my space. um, And I can kind of, you know, nest in my shell when I'm there, but I'm also more than happy to be drawn out of it. And, um, you know, I have Jupiter on my ascendant, so I'm always up for an adventure, but, you know. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, I I don't think I really feel too, um, but I'm sure once I get back, 
I won't be leaving home for a while. For a little while. Yeah, yeah. yeah so. now, well, it will be cancer season, so yeah, it'll be correct. the right time to yeah, not leave home. Yeah, yeah. But uh, no, I get that because I'm I'm a homebody myself as uh, we both work out of our homes, <laughs> respectively. Mm-hmm. Um, and I am a homebody. I love my home. But um, like when I would tour with, with the band or like get out there and be doing my thing, and this might be the ninth house placement because I do have cancer as the ninth house. I could make my home anywhere once right. I was able to yeah. get enough, uh, you know, grounding and what the whole, you know, agenda looked like and what, you know, where I was headed. And then, and then I never found that I was homesick. Yeah. Um, I found, I almost found that I was at home mm. within the movement. Yeah. Um, especially when I'm driving, uh, I find that I'm really at home when I'm in a moving vehicle as, okay. a, as if my life is just meant to be this like sightseeing, mm. <laughs> you know, oh, yeah. this third night type of thing. I really loved that. Um, I, you know, never have driven in America before, but while I was here, I um, hired a car and drove through, um, you know, all the way from Ashland, Bend and up to back towards Seattle. And so, uh, yeah, agreed with you. Once I'm kind of like a little bit like in control of my environment in some ways, I can navigate it. But I think like, you know, when you take a trip away or what have you, or even in your case in touring a band, if you've got an end point to the trip, mm-hmm. like, you know, you can go, okay, well, um, you know, I've just got to do this, do this and do that this. That is home. And that's then, the home yeah, for the night. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so that's right. But uh yeah, would I choose it as a lifestyle, like yeah. to do it all the time? <laughs> no, I am really looking forward to to going back home and to my plants, you know, and just my space. I mean, I yeah. think it's always lovely to be away and it's always lovely to be home. And then I'll be like counting down the days until um, uh, the ESAR conference in Denver yes. um, in September next year where I'm speaking. So, yeah, that will yeah. be my next trip, I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah. She will be back. I'll be back <laughs> in the, the, the sort of centre portions of this uh, of the country this time. Yeah. yeah. You're like making your way. You started in, in the central time zone, then you yeah. went to the Pacific, and then now you're going to be going to the mountain. Yeah, <laughs> you'll yeah. you be sandwiched between what you've experienced. A few people have said to me, oh, you know, when are you going to come up to the East Coast? I'm like, well, when are you going to ask me? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that is part of yeah. the component. You yeah, know, usually yeah. you don't choose just to cut your invited. Yeah, I'll have part. to, um, I'll have to, uh, yeah, suss out the East Coast eventually. Yeah, it's just that little bit further to go. Yeah. Mm. So, well, there's still, there's still time. Yeah. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Well, that uh, speaks to that Jupiter on the Ascendant, that's for sure. She will she will always be getting out and about that's doing right. things, I'll expanding what her life knows. <laughs> All right. So, okay, so what else is going on for, well, speaking of the solstice, we also have uh, Neptune stationing. On the solstice. And you just did a, uh, we gave you a shout out a couple weeks ago on the Norwak episode um, for your Neptune talk. Oh, yeah, I gave a Neptune talk. Oh, yeah. (laughs) So Neptune of me to forget. (laughs) I mean, what, I, you have any thoughts on uh, just the station in general or maybe in tandem with this uh, kind of sensitive yearly point? Yeah, to be honest, I don't really often pay a lot of credence to the outer planet stationing just because they do it so often. Um, I think it's worth considering um, if it, you have a, a planet or angle at 18 degrees of a mutable mm-hmm. sign, I mean, that's, of course, going to probably impact you more. Um, and, I mean, we've had, so, you know, Neptune's in Pisces, Jupiter's in Saturn, so we've already had sort of Jupiter 
you know, Neptune's ruler already, like retrograde and stationing. So, I mean, it's going to play out individually for everybody, but, you know, Jupiter, Neptune, they are forming the square aspect too. And I guess to back up on the things that we've already talked about regarding cancer and feelings and emotions and things like that, I think the whole Neptune station, the square to Jupiter, it's really about perhaps, think you know, internalizing and processing like, what is the dream? What is the ultimate mm-hmm. outcome or what is the ultimate vision? So back on that, like prior to leaving um, Australia to be in the US for months, oh, I know I shouldn't say this, but I didn't, really didn't want to come. I was like, oh, it's such a long time. Yeah. It's kind of disruptive to my whole rhythm and routine and, you know, like just sort of, I guess, a bit of negative self-talk really because, yeah. you know, cancers don't oh. like to be disrupted sometimes. I can just 100% <laughs> go with what you're saying. And, um, and I was just, but then I just had to like recalibrate and reframe my mind around it. And it's like, what is the reason and what is the purpose for this trip? What is the long-term, what's on the horizon for me? And what is, what's the reason I'm doing all of this stuff? And so I think for people who, you know, we're all going to, go through this collectively, it might be about like recalibrating the the dream or the vision or the ideal. Like mm-hmm. if you are if you are in a bit of a funk or in a bit of a mess right now or feeling kind of really torn in this um, alleged meat grinder. <laughs> Um, <laughs> I know Austin will never live that one right now. No, no. We had many laughs about that um, when I started. It'll be there. his own yeah. meat grinder. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, so, yeah, you know, if you are experiencing this sort of tension or this emotion or this pull and it's, you know, might be feeling a little bit all too much at times or this sort of relentless kind of Capricorn energy like coming down on you, it's like, well, what is... You go back to the whole Jupiter-Neptune part. What is the reason I'm working mm-hmm. so hard? What is the purpose I'm doing what I'm doing for? And I think it can really be helpful to sort of reframe it. And so what I experienced was, oh, God, I have to go for a whole month. Instead, I was like, I get to do go for a whole month. I get to do something I'm passionate about that mm-hmm. I love talking about, that I love teaching about. Um, and even though, yes, it's kind of like, you know, guess my own sort of version of the meat grinder because it's just so out of my regular routine mm-hmm. and rhythm. But there is that kind of prize at the end of it. There is that that benefit at the end of it or it gets you closer to that goal, that vision, that dream, that ideal that you're working towards. And, you know, Jupiter and Neptune squaring off, I mean, it's not really a particularly, you know, for want of a better of a word, difficult or malefic um uh, trans, I mean, we've got Jupiter and, you know, Neptune and Pisces after all, but it's it's kind of like, you know, what's the internalization of, you know, what is the vision, you know, and that's what I keep coming back to. And, and of course, where Jupiter and Neptune reside in your chart right now via transit, you know, what are those two houses that, you know, speak to Sagittarius and Neptune? You know, what is, you know, the ideal or the vision or the dream there? And okay, this is actually the big picture, mm-hmm. and this is just kind of like you know a little bit of the micro uh, sort of push through. You know, how bad do you want it? Like you know yeah. the things that we're working towards right now. So, 
Yeah. Yeah. I think that's dead on with with the energy for sure. And like part of the part of one of the challenging parts of being a cancer, <laughs> even though we look as tough as nails on the outside sometimes, because we can put on a good front. Oh, yeah. We can put on a really good front. But there is an insecurity level that bubbles deep within a lot of times or security issues mm-hmm. um, that can stem emotionally and maybe what you were feeling right before you came here, yeah. just because there is, you know, if we're going out of this um, to this seemingly unfamiliar zone, it, it does take us out of our our security element yeah, to I some mean. extent. Um, and that could be part of the bigger vision as we look at these ideals and we are confronted with why we want to do the things we do, or maybe we want to change up some of the things we do so we can pursue the dream mm-hmm. per se. Yeah. Um, but there can be that um, security component that comes yeah. in, whether it's financially, whether it's just emotionally getting through um, to say, no, I don't want to do this anymore or to say, yes, I want to do this and I'm willing to put my time and effort into mm-hmm. it. And I think that our, our we're going to be entertaining that on an intellectual realm as basically through this Mercury retrograde process. So let's let's get into our Mercury retrograde because we always have to that's, touch on it when how, I talk with Cassandra. That's our tradition, isn't it? <laughs> it yeah. Is. Mercury retrograde loves us. Um, and uh, we did it last episode. We did, uh, we had laughable internet when we were trying to talk about Mercury retrograde and your phone arrived. I know, yeah. At the door. I know, I'd, I'd done like the, you know, the astrologer sin of all time was to order a um, a mobile phone online. I'd never done that before. And I think I did it like on the station or something like that. And then we, or it either it arrived on the station. I can't remember. We're in the middle of yeah. um, recording it arrived early. And then I'm like, I've got to go. Because like, otherwise it was a Friday afternoon. Yeah. I wouldn't have been able to go and collect it until the next week. And who wants to wait to play with a new phone, right? No. So, yeah, that was hilarious. That was so funny. Yeah. Well, and it was funny because, you know, we think about Mercury retrograde uh, usually signifying delays, but it was rather the opposite for you. It got there sooner. I think so. I, then remember. I remember you were like, it was like a day soon, or you weren't expecting it to get that fast. Oh, and okay. you were all actually concerned, I think, within a window if you were going to get it in time for something, maybe. Yeah, I can't. So funny enough. <laughs> Right right as I prompted uh, Cassandra to start talking about uh, Mercury Retrograde and our Mercury Retrograde stories, because we seem to always come together for it. Um, And we we had recounted all this wonderful information, and then I turn around and realize that my recording program had decided to uh, have a system overload, which seems so right for Mars opposing Saturn right now. (laughs) Uh, So... um, we are just laughing because that's pretty funny because Mercury retrograde. And I was saying with the whole Neptune component to this week right now and then next week, I feel like we are in this kind of pseudo Mercury retrograde to some extent. 100%. Like whenever Mercury and Neptune come together, it is totally like a mini retrograde. And, um, you know, as we look now, like, Mer- uh, sorry, Mercury in Cancer has just started to separate from. Uh, Neptune in Pisces forming that trine. And so back earlier in my trip, when Mercury was applying to square Neptune, um, a part of my very unplanned and winging it US trip, um, I didn't end up having a um, transport between Seattle and Portland after the conference. And um, I had plenty of offers, but schedules didn't align. And um, 
Anyway, so I got online and I booked a ticket to Amtrak, like from Amtrak, mm-hmm. your, your train system here. And anyway, and so, um, but my e-ticket didn't come through. I sort of thought it would be fairly immediate once I've made payment and stuff like that. And I checked my junk mail and different folders on Gmail and restarted my mobile phone. I was like, hmm, that's a bit odd. And then I looked, I knew that the application from uh, Mercury to Neptune was happening. I thought, okay, it's just going to take a little bit longer. And anyway, and so I thought, um, you know, I'll give it a little while and my ticket still didn't arrive. And so I'm trying to ring the customer service line, wouldn't connect. I send them an email. I just get a reply that says, we reply to emails in order that we receive them, <laughs> which basically meant like two weeks later, yeah. I got, I finally got the issue resolved, but um, which ended up being a refund because I got the ticket um, one hour before I was due to board the train and I'd since made other arrangements. Yeah. But anyway, that's another story. But so funny, this morning I had to book another Amtrak because I'm in San Diego now and I fly out of LA on Sunday. And so I'll, I'm like, oh no, Mercury. And I was like, yep, yeah, Mercury has separated from Neptune. So I thought hopefully there was no problems. So this morning I, um, you know, everything's been seamless so far and hopefully <laughs> it continues with the Mercury separating from that trine. So yeah, it's definitely um, whenever Mercury and Neptune uh, interact, it's 110%. Foggy brain, miscommunication. I know yesterday I was really um, just brain fog, not mm. really thinking. I was a bit tired. I was starting to feel like, oh, I need a good sleep, you know. But um, yeah, the joys of Mercury and Neptune. Mercury wants to kind of like really break down the data and it's clear thinking, wants to discriminate and um, discern things. Whereas Neptune just wants to kind of wing it and go with the flow and not really fuss around the details. So as two planetary energies, they don't work well together. So whenever they form that aspect, I do try and avoid doing overly mercurial things. Um, But, you know, sometimes life has to happen and you have to do it. (laughs) But be aware that there will be some type of uh, hiccup or what have you. Yeah, some type of trick. Basically, so it was almost like just as I got my refund from Amtrak, then I ended up having to buy another ticket from them anyway. It. So it, it all worked out in the end. But sometimes it's, um, it's yeah, just be prepared for that sort of miscommunication or, you know, emails that don't show up. And they actually emailed me in the reply and apologised and said for some reason uh, Gmail was just defaulting all of their mm. um it just wasn't so, I mean, yeah, something it was layers was, upon layers. You know, something's not going something in cyberspace. <laughs> but yeah, luckily the issue was resolved and you know they handled it well. So that's the main thing. Yeah. Yes. And it, well, it's so funny too because uh, I mean Mercury just in general plays tricks. You know, uh, it's that's what it does. And I mean today as we're recording, Mercury is exactly conjunct my son. Oh wow. Uh, and uh, at the time that we had our little hiccup and I realized it, uh the ascendant of the moment in Libra was trining the sun in in Gemini. <laughs> and and so there's there seems to be some components for me going on uh, uh 
for other reasons. But to go back to the Mercury retrograde thing, because it's so funny because we just said a whole good, like, you know, eight minutes of solid content that, you know, cause sometimes when you're in the conversation and you're like grooving with it and everything's coming together and everything then, happens. and then <laughs> everything just happens and then you turn around and, and it's it like system over loud. Um, but what we were talking about was the, um, the the Mercury retrograde cycle that's going to be happening from uh, Mercury's going to station retrograde July seventh, and then is going to station direct July thirty first, um, and it's going to go from Leo four degrees Leo to twenty four degrees Cancer. And what's interesting about the station direct uh, period or point is that that's the same point of our lunar eclipse that happens July sixteenth. Mm. So we basically have a Mercury stationing direct two weeks after we have a lunar eclipse at that same point. Uh, and I, one of the things that I liked what Cass said about uh, the potential of maybe a, a change of heart as, you know, different mm. things come along. Yeah, it's almost like that uh, lunar eclipse has, you know, they're always a bit dramatic. Mm. They're always going to kind of bring things from an emotional realm out into the open or out into the to, to the surface, it's they're dramatic. They can bring tipping points and and changes, um, but you might decide or get clear about the way you think and feel about that two weeks later, once Mercury stations. Um, so that whole month of July is definitely kind of, uh, I think you know when you've got the sun and the moon or any type of opposition, it's just kind of like about exploring what your options are. You know, what if I go in this direction, but what if I choose the other side? And the eclipse can really spotlight. Um, so it will be the, um, you know, the, the spotlight part will be on Capricorn. and be like, well, <laughs> mm, what do I want to do with that? And then, you know, it might be, you know, that real push-pull feeling. And you might get that breakthrough or that piece of information or that new insight or wisdom or connection um, that will help you, you know, make a choice or a, a decision or, uh, or give you an out once Mercury makes that, that station direct. And that yeah. will probably really culminate or bring the intensity of, of that eclipse. So I think it, the eclipse has that potential to be like a, a delayed onset um, mm-hmm. in its significations. Yeah, because in uh, well, it's interesting because Mar, uh, excuse me, uh, Mercury is doing the conjunction dance with Mars, um, basically uh, this week that this airs. But there will be two more follow up conjunctions uh, because of Mercury retrograde cycle. Yeah. And, and and we do know that Mars, you know, as as a malefic energy, uh, and especially in a sign that is his fall, mm-hmm. and so you know things could fall away or be cut out at this time, or there's emotional redirection that takes place because mm-hmm. I think that you know that uh because basically the function of mercury um as we are assessing things we're assessing things from this emotional place mm-hmm. and like you were saying earlier Cass, i don't know if it got into the recording or not how you were saying that mercury and cancer uh from your own viewpoint is a rather debilitated position just for the nature of mercury mm-hmm. itself yeah um it, but not in a debilitated uh, debilitations lead to change I think a lot of the time. And so I'm just wondering how, you know, this is all <laughs> going to come together. Yeah, well, Mercury in retro- retrograde, Mercury retrograde in Cancer is not really giving voice to how you feel about anything very effectively. Oh, yes. Because you were talking about Mercury in Cancer being a mute sign. Yeah. So, you know, 
being able to communicate clearly or how you feel might be constantly fluctuating about how you feel as well. Um, and that can be, you know, lead to the confusion, the mishaps, the mayhem that can be um, you know, part of that Mercury retrograde experience. But on the flip side, you know, with Mars co-present there, mm. you know, Mars in Cancer, again, not very well placed technically speaking, but Mars does have some triplicity rulership in Cancer. So mm. it's not like all bad. Mm. Um, I do feel that this retrograde can help you make a choice around whose side you're on. And when we're talking cancer, we're talking kin, we're talking clan, we're talking family, we're talking emotions. Yeah. So if you're in this place of undecided emotion or torn emotion, do I stay, do I go, do I take that job, do I stay here, do I move, do I leave my marriage, do I do this, do I do that, all the things, right, this can really help you um, maybe, you know, I think Mars in Cancer is so protective potentially and then with Mercury there can help you actually, you know, mentally decide or give voice to or take action around what the cancer part of your life yeah. is really about. How are you feeling? How do you feel about it all, you know? And feelings change because that's kind of what we were talking about too in the nature of cancer is mm. and really a water signs in, in general. I mean, Scorpio, we'll, we'll see. Um, but there is this, this fluid motion and this changeability to it all uh, that can take place. So it's hard to say, and we're halfway through these uh, water um, retrogrades because that's another thing we were looking for. Uh- <laughs> yeah, it was 2013. So we started to talk about how um, the elemental cycles of Mercury change. So every six years we get a repeat of of the elemental cycle. Mm-hmm. So the last time we had Mercury retrogrades through water was in 2013. I was pretty sure it was 2013 just because I remembered what was going on in my yeah. life then. So, <laughs> um, yeah, so that was definitely a, like a, cha- a very massive changing year. It was the year that I discovered I was pregnant. And so oh, I had to make a lot of emotional choices mm-hmm. around that time. And now, you know, um, you know, there's always choices to make when you have a child. But, I mean, that was, um, you know, if you can even cast your mind back to 2013 and, you know, what was, you know, and you're going to be having these retrogrades through three houses in your own birth chart. So, um, you know, look at those three houses. How do they link? How do they speak to each other? And, you know, maybe the choices that you make, uh, you know, that were going on when the Mercury retrograde was in Pisces. How does that link to the house that rules cancer for you? And then, of course, Scorpio later in the year. They all really tie up with each other when you look at the cycles, you know, in a larger way. Mm-hmm. But I think as a micro cycle, at least, you know, coming this week, this month, you know, with the eclipses, um, it really is kind of, there is potential, I think, to, um you know, I am personally somebody that does like to challenge the Cancerian status quo. I'm not that domesticated. I am not that much <laughs> of a homebody. Um, I fluctuate, yes, but I don't like the moody part. So, yeah. um, I mean, you know, this is kind of like uh, there's this gif on online with a crab that's holding a knife. I love that. It's, it's, just, <laughs> it's you know, so funny. <laughs> it gives this ferociousness to this like meek, mild, <laughs> whingy, moody reputation that we have. So Ooh. I think, you know, 
if you're cancer or look to the part where you have cancer, um, it's where you can really like take that knife and cut something away mm-hmm. or take that knife and, um, you know, cut yourself a bigger piece of the pie or cut out something that's no longer necessary. Um, but, you know, the mercury retrograde will help you think about what that's going to be because mm-hmm. you can use that knife to, you know, sever yourself from something that's toxic or, or bad for you. Like if we cut out a skin cancer, for example, that mm-hmm. can be life-saving, but cutting our nose off despite our face, yeah. not so much. Not and so much. I think this whole Mercury-Mars-Cancer <laughs> combination can really help us, like, what do we want to cut away and move towards? How are we going to embrace our, like, little inner warrior or our inner kind of, um, you know, just this image of a Viking woman just sort of popped into my head. So, you know, about the cancer's kind of taking back a little bit of control or a little bit of sovereignty um, and taking charge, which they're not really uh, associated with. Mm-hmm. So I don't know. I think this has got that potential to be empowering um, because in all our charts, there's an axis. It might be um, first and seventh or second and eighth or third and ninth. And it's about, you know, there's one area of your life that's been getting all the attention, mm-hmm. Capricorn, and now it's sort of like, well, what about the other the other things? So yeah, lots yeah. of things, so many things. So many things, so yeah. many things. And it, it's all changeable because <laughs> it will depend on how I think we, we feel as time goes on. And especially with this Neptune component, uh, especially in the skies right now, is that there is uncertainty. We are ahead of eclipse season. Not everybody knows how things are going to turn out. And so there is part of that following the gut that we were talking about earlier within it. Um, and then maybe part of that uh Mercury Mars piece is actually, you know, aligning ourselves and getting clear on where we want to put our emotional energy into. Yeah. Because it, it's like, I mean, especially as a water sign, I'm driven by emotion. Like, if I don't feel like it, forget about it. Like, yeah. there's, I, I well, maybe not forget about it because the Capricorn Moon's like, but you said you would. Um, but you know, but there's, st- but a part of the soul has been missing from that. Even if I go through the motions and I don't mm. feel like mm. it, so that might be something we are wrapping our minds around. Because honestly, what we manifest in this world is typically a combination of how we are processing it from the intellectual realm and then how the feeling component comes in. And then when you put thoughts and feelings together, that's when you manifest uh, life. And so we have to be on the same page with that. And maybe this retrograde is going to help us uh, get there. Yeah, like level out our emotions and following up feelings with action or, you know, thoughts and ideas with with choices and Mm -hmm. actions. So, um, you know, we have been in this kind of like, marking time and, you know, the nodal action is really significant yes. this year. So it's about those thoughts, you know, what what are you prepared to go out on a limb for or pre- defend and protect mm. and, um, you know, what is important to you? And I always associate with Mars with, with choices and, of course, we always get that option to choose how we feel and sometimes, you know, that's not easier said than done, but yeah. <laughs> I think, um, yeah, the Mercury retrograde will help us, you know, potentially work out what those feelings are and, and the choices that we can make 
moving forward with that. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, so I guess to to wrap this up in some way, if you were to put a, like a brief, even, even one word synopsis on what uh, cancer season 2019 looks like in your mind, (laughs) is there any descriptor that just comes out? Um, Oh, okay. One of my favorites um, is if you don't sacrifice for what you want, what you want will be the sacrifice. Mm. Isn't that the truth? <laughs> oh, it speaks so much into the Jupiter-Neptune square in so many, so many ways um, there. So, no, I, I'm looking forward to it because I love to embrace change personally. Mm. And even though it's like it's a weird paradox that lives inside of me because, you know, the strong point wants to embrace change, needs it, craves it. And then the other part of me is like, are you crazy? Like, this mm. is a good thing. This is comfortable. This is what I know. This is what I like. Yeah. And so I feel like we will all be kind of within this uh, paradoxical place mm. of uh, navigating what is comfortable, what we've known, what we've cherished, but also willing to maybe uh, make decisions that invite um, a, a new place to call home, yeah. I guess. Uh moving moving on in life because we're all moving on <laughs> yeah I guess it's sort of like you know feeling home you know they say home is where the heart is and mm. um this cancer season can help you define where that heart space is for you yeah yeah so yeah well we'll all be uh navigating this together and it will be a roller coaster to say the least uh before we close, what were, you were going to say something about uh, a little plaque you saw in Seattle. Oh, yes, yes. So in a place in Seattle, I think it's pronounced Alki Beach. Mm-hmm. Beautiful. Um, I went, did a beautiful walk there the other day, and there were some Zodiac plaques on the, um, on the boardwalk area there, footpath, sidewalk, as you say here. <laughs> sidewalk. <laughs> um, Yes, yeah, so for, and I took a little snapshot of the cancer uh, plaque and it says emotions and tides go in and out, not up and down. And so I think, you know, cancer can, you know, it does fluctuate and sometimes that can be very uncomfortable and unsettling, but in and out is, you know, a nice way to think about it. Those waves well, roll in and they bring you like new life and new nourishment and new support. And then as that tide rolls out, it can be about, you know, releasing any negativity mm. or energetic drain. And, you know, sometimes when you have a good cry, like that can kind of sometimes release any pent up emotions. So if this season does feel a little bit like you know, up and down, maybe just reframe that thought process and see it more as just in and out. Yeah. yeah. No, I love that. Mm. That's, yes, because we, we can't forget that. Otherwise, we will get tossed around within the waves. Yeah, uh, exactly. When we forget the rhythm and the cycle of it yeah. all. Yeah, Um And I love one time my, uh, my significant other came home and he... Yeah, you know, he doesn't go to emotional place very often, but he did in that moment. And he, he just looked at me and he's like, I had to tip the cup. Mm. And I was like, I like that because mm. sometimes you have to tip the cup and yep. sometimes you have to release that. And yep. that is part of that tide rolling out. So that's, that's I always, beautiful to me. I always <laughs> think of the crab, you know, we are creatures between land and sea. And mm-hmm. so we are always oscillating between up and down, in and out, maybe yes, maybe no. And, you know, I think the crab is a risk taker. You know, it will come out from under that rock 
you know, with, you know, eagles flying above or a <laughs> wave can crash upon it. But there's a tenacity and an endurance to the crab that is often a little bit um, forgotten sometimes. Yeah. And so when we're looking at a season that is, you know, looking a little bit more, you know, challenging as opposed to, um, you know, what we might prefer, <laughs> um, there is that kind of, you know, that tenacity is what will get us through. And, um, you know, we've got the soft underbellies underneath. And so, yeah, I, I think of cancer, like I think Brene Brown said it, front, soft front, hard back. Yeah. And I think that is, to me, that's very kind of cancer uh, and remembering that, you know, we don't have to have the exoskeleton all around us, you know, which can sometimes that self-protection instinct is too strong. Yes, it yeah. keeps you from uh, embracing that that soft underbelly mm-hmm. and where all the tenderness mm-hmm. is. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, you know, just flip it around because I was talking about paradoxes earlier is like on the other side of things, because of the tenacity that the crab holds, like I always use this analogy where the crab is uh, just holding onto a rock and the waves are pummeling it and yeah. it's getting hit repeatedly yeah. over yeah. and over. Yeah. But if it just let go yeah. and went with the flow, mm. it would exert, you know, a quarter of the energy, if not less. Agreed. And yeah. so there is a part of that element, especially as we started this talk with the idea of the of cancer kind of going back into the past a lot too. Yep. And so we'll just have to navigate the balance between, uh, you know, that. What am I going to hold on to? What am I going to let, let go, go of? Particularly the cancer cap element yes. that's in play there. So the mercury retrograde will help you figure out what that is. That is right. Mm. So, all right. Well, I'm excited for cancer season. I hope everyone else is too. So, all right, Cancer Crab Cast, what do you have going on? Where can people find you? You got anything uh, coming up here? Yeah, well, I mean, my time in the U.S. is starting to draw to a close. So then I have the joyous long flight back, <laughs> um, 15 hours, woohoo. So, um yeah, I mean, all the details of the things I do is on um, CassandraTindall.com. Um, things are in the pipeline. I've got some new classes and courses and stuff coming up in the next, or the, you know, second uh, half of the year. Mm-hmm. Um, consultations are always available. I'm, I'm very busy um, as a consulting astrologist. So all the things, yeah. All the things. And don't forget, you have a podcast yourself. Oh, yeah, I do too. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, and uh, I also have a weekly podcast called The Water Trio Astrology Podcast, and that is with two dear Aussie astrologer friends of mine, Alicia Youssef and uh, Kelly Surtees. So we have a weekly astro update, and we have a lot of fun there. Yes. Yeah. And so if you really want to get in the water component, go hang out with the water trio That's, because they're yeah. covering all the bases we, over there. Yeah, we got the water going on. <laughs> yes. Oh, and they're just a pleasure to listen to. And, you know, you can always tell like the joy that uh, old friends carry together. Yes, we've yeah. been friends for about 15 years. And so I think a lot of the feedback that we've had about the podcast is that people feel like they're eavesdropping on girlfriends chatting and that's yeah which is really sweet and um yeah so we could kind of have a laugh at each other and uh yeah I think that's you know what we are symbolizing I think with our podcast is this north node in cancer energy Mm. that connection and 
time out and, um, yeah, and women at the helm. Yes. Yeah. Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> I love it. All right. So, well, where can you find me? You can find me at energeticprinciples.com and also on Instagram and Facebook at Energetic Principles. And, of course, I will share uh, all of Cass's links here that, uh, you know, her website and the water trio and then also social media. So if you didn't quite get that, you can roll on over to my page and I'll have that ready for you to click away. Um, and also, uh, I'm like, I'm like, what else do I have going on here? Well, if you'd like to support the podcast, you can do so over on Patreon at patreon.com backslash energetic principles, or you can uh, take part in Mel's tip jar, which lives on the front page of my website. And of course, like Cassandra, I also do consultations. Um, and if you like what we heard, you shared today, or if you have uh, some cancer friends or want people to know about cancer season, you know, t- spread the good word, tell another, leave a nice review on iTunes or wherever you listen to this podcast uh, because that will help the word get out. So, all right, everyone. Well, Cassandra, thank you for joining me. And in person, I know. Yeah, I mean, normally I'm in Brisbane, you're here in San Diego, and here we are together doing this you know, face-to-face. It's, it's, yeah, I think this is the first time I've ever podcasted face-to-face, actually. It's usually across the internet waves. Well, I love it because right now the North Node and Mercury are conjunct my son in Cancer. Oh, perfect. And so we are giving an example of what we were talking about earlier in the program. So thank you for that. All right, everyone. And thank you for tuning in. And as always, may the stars be with you. Mm 